Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. We're super excited that today's our first guest for the Farm Queen Podcast. Uh, the interesting part is that she's not only the first guest, but she's the other half of the team for this project. So today's your lucky day that you get to not only get the launch of this podcast and this whole Pass the Crown project, but you also get a chance to, to get to know the other half of the team behind the project. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Doreen. Welcome. Doreen. Hi. <laughs> so introduce yourself tell us about you know you your farm what you do how long you've been at it all that sort of good stuff so back in 2008 I was actually dealing with some pretty deep hardships in my own personal life and I was actually very suicidal and didn't know what to do with myself and someone actually gave me a calf and it kind of changed the trajectory of my whole entire life. So from that day, I actually started getting out of bed. And then this kind of dream built and the dream became, you know, I wanted a therapy farm and then it's therapy for me. And then it became therapy for other people. And then it became food therapy. So it's, it's kind of like a multi-spectrum thing. I mean, I've raised a lot of different stuff, but my primary is definitely beef. Um, I actually sell through Barrow's Farm. I actually do have a partner. I am the primary caretaker for everything here. I handle all the sales, all the marketing. Um, I handle feeding the animals, you know, going out and making sure that health-wise they're good. If they're sick, I take care of them. Around the tractor, I help do hay. You know, it, there's just so much stuff that goes into what it takes to actually run a farm it's kind of hard to actually like break it down into here here's here's what here's that one line thing of what I do and how I got started yeah being able to uh condense your day into one sentence I know (laughs) since I know you I know that's not easy um how many cows do you have in your herd we're we're about 45 head right now and everything that we do is um all direct marketed direct to consumer okay now since i also know you um one of the other major things that you do i don't want to say necessarily with your farm maybe because you farm is obviously we're kicking off this this crown project with the farm women group New York so why don't you take a minute and tell us about this group because I know how hard you've worked on it and getting it where it is and kind of building that community and all of that and so that is definitely to me a a very unique aspect of um, kind of the heart behind why you do what you do on all fronts so tell us about that group for just a minute. So when I first started out I had a really hard time finding resources and actually connecting with people who actually understood this way of life. And I, I actually started the group. Um, there's, there's another couple of young ladies that actually used that title. We're, we're not going to reference that right now. Um, 
over the years, it became like a, I, I don't, I don't even know how to exactly describe it, but we hit 4,000 this week. Um, so we have 4,000 members in the group that range everywhere from a new beginning homesteader all the way up to, um, I think the one girl runs like 3,000 acres and milks dairy cows. So, I mean, we, we have a full-fledged spectrum of women who are involved in agriculture in one way, shape, or form. And it's good because the group actually allows for those little bit more experience to help the novice. The novice, you know, maybe they've got a little bit different way that they're doing things that maybe the bigger guys actually haven't looked at. I shouldn't say guys, I should say girls haven't quite looked at yet. So there's, there's kind of like this way and balance and, it, you know, we face a little bit different stressors being farm women, because we work on the farm. We raise families on the farm. Many of them homeschool their kids on the farm. Our social aspect is so limited. And then there's so many, you know, it's, it's said that there's only like 1% of the population that's actually in farming. So if you take, you know, I think the the most recent statistics say it's about 50% now are actually farm women that are running farms. You know, you're looking at half a percent of the actual population that are farm women. And it is extremely difficult to find people who understand this way of life. This way of life is, is all consuming. You live, eat, breathe, and sleep farming. You, you know, it's hard to get away from the farm. It's hard when you're having problems and you're still trying to run a farm. And, you know, sometimes you need that extra little bit, even if it's just mental support. And, you know, because you're in the group, you've seen it where, hey, I'm having this really, really bad week and I'm struggling. And the, the girls come together full force. It's going to be OK. We're here if you need us. It, you know, and we've had people actually volunteer to go help at other people's farms. So, it, you know, for me, that was the whole aspect. You know, I struggled. I saw the struggle for the disconnect that's actually there. I mean, yeah, we have all these great organizations that are out here, but there's no one that actually super focuses on the individual behind everything else. If, if that makes any sense at all. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, obviously we're both in the group. You started it. I joined it. That's the way that, you know, we cross paths. Um, and I'm grateful for that, for sure. I I like the thing you mentioned about um, you know, def definitely the social kind of blip that is the farm woman, if you will, because I'm one of those that I'm running the farm. I work the farm every day. I'm homeschooling my kids. It is so difficult to fit in like Hey, let's, you know, I'm, I'm in another mom's group locally where it's people will post, Hey, you know, let's, let's go to the playground in a couple hours. And it's like, yeah, not happening. I need like at least three days to plan a playground trip because I got to make sure well, and, the is done and, and get this done. And I have right. this fence to fix or that, Hey, I got to unload. And it's, it's so well, different. And then there's, then there's also that family social dynamic where somebody goes to get married, you, have, you need to bring in help. You know, and a lot of people, because again, here we are, we're at 1% of the population. Who do you bring in that you don't have to spend a month or two months to teach to just feed all your animals? Exactly. You know, this isn't yeah. a, we can call our neighbor up and go, hey, can you come over and feed hay? And they don't know anything about driving a tractor. Yeah. But, you know, there's, 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 
and and this is I think this is the hardest part about actually being a a farm a farmer and especially a farm woman is it's not like you can call up a counterpart that's a friend and go, Oh hey, can you come over and feed my cows? You know, I have cows that need a bale or two of hay every day. I'm gonna go on this week long trip and I'm gonna take a vacation. I need you to come over and take care of it. I mean, me personally on the side of this, I also go relief milk at a at a local dairy farm. And I'm one of the only ones in the area that can actually go do that for them because I'm the only one that knows how to milk cows. So, you know, what happens if they're sick and I'm sick, who do they, who do they reach out to, to, to come assist? I mean, that's the borderline on why the whole group was established. I mean, these women work 365 days a year. You know, it's not like we're taking yearly vacations to go on a cruise. Uh, it, It just doesn't happen. Absolutely. And so I think that's a, that's a great uh, background in terms of, you know, like we said, why, why are you doing that group? Why are you so passionate about it? And, and I think that also answers the question of, you know, why do you farm too? Because you started it for your own kind of mental health struggles, um, you know, life issues. It got you through one of the hardest parts of your life. And you've then grown your farm as well as grown this group to kind of make it, I think, make it more accessible for others to, to kind of achieve that same sense of like, this is a purpose. This is a reason to get up every day. This is something that I love and I enjoy. And it gives me, you know, a sense of like healing and a sense of reason back in with it. Right. Well, and you know, with, with my own personal experience with that trajectory forward, one of the things that I've actually noticed with that too, is I've actually grown a lot myself as an individual. I mean, I went from a very for lack of a better term, I just wanted to disassociate and disconnect from everybody. And that, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't a healthy place to be. And, you know, through farming, I developed a sense of community through the group. I found females that aren't, and I hate to say this, it's not, you know, oh, I need this professional makeup done, or I need professional hair done. I mean, the more crazy our hair is, the more it seems to be acceptable. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, there's not this, for for lack of a better term, there's not the showmanship that we need to present something that's not who we actually are. I mean, you know, we embrace the whole doing our chores and PJs. Yep. It's not yeah. because we're too lazy to get dressed. It's because it's energy we really don't have. Exactly. So, kind of in light of all of that, you've painted a great picture of what you know a day in the life of of kind of the hardworking farm woman looks like. This week we're doing this podcast, obviously, because you started us off with the crown and, you know, that's kind of this whole thing. So we explained it in the trailer for people for, you know, what is this past the crown initiative that we're doing? So, you know, they can figure out why, why it is that you're on our, on our social media pages, wearing a crown on your head, riding a tractor, because that makes so much sense. But as far as the reason (laughs) why we, right, the reason why we did this, how does it feel to you that your peers in that farm women group, they chose you to be the first woman honored by wearing this crown for the week. So knowing what, you know, being the farm queen of the week means, getting to wear that crown, getting to be the one who's honored. What is it? What does it mean to you, not just to be the farm queen of the week, but also to be the very first one to have that honor with this new project? Well, you see, when I came up with the concept, you know, of, of this whole, we need to, you know, honor these 
these farm women who are out here and, and I'm going to be a little on the blunt side here and I'm going to say they're, they're badasses. You know, they're running a farm, they're working a job, they're homeschooling their kids, they're running everywhere, they're taking care of all of this stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of times we actually disappear in the general public. And for me, this was basically a way of coming out and saying, hey, you know, there's all these great women that are out here in a way that actually honors them for what they're doing. For me personally, to be blunt, I didn't want it. I wanted to be able to put it out there and not have it be, you know, this was my idea. This was my concept. And, you know, I, you know, I put the post up and I screwed up and I didn't go excluding me. And then you were like, no, you know, you need to make sure that you're included, leave it be, let it go. And there were some people who I do feel deserve the honor way more than I do straight up. I, I just feel that way. Perspective wise, I can actually see where it kind of comes from. It's not so much that I'm just a farm woman. It's that I'm out here and I, I've kind of had to come to the reality of I am a leader in this industry, whether I want it or not. I do a lot in that mentorship aspect. I do a lot to try to help new and upcoming. I do a lot to answer phone calls for stressful farmers that are in horrible situations that they shouldn't be in. And it's, it's a difficult position for me to be in, but that's something I'm willing to step forward and do. So for these girls to actually come out and, and be like, no, this is the person I feel. And for me, I, I guess because I'm in a very unique situation to kind of launch this off is not only the person who developed the concept, but also the only one that'll actually be a community driven, hey, we picked this person is a huge honor that I, I need to accept. Even if that acceptance is very hard for me to do. Having gotten to know you as well as I do, I know I know how hard it is for you to have, uh, I'm going to say tolerated the little oversight of not excluding yourself from the nominations. Um, <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly with the group that you are 100% deserving of it as our, as they say, fearless leader of the group. Um, but because you are the one who is constantly in that group, offering the moral support, offering, um, I guess I'll call it knowledge support when people need it. And that's not just for the cows too. Anybody who, who needs to get to know this woman more for those listening, Doreen knows pretty much anything that I've come to her with across multiple species of animals and pasture questions and grass questions. I mean, this woman knows farming from the barn roof down to the, you know, rock layer below the soil pretty much. So I don't think there was anything undeserved about your, your honor of being first. Well, and, and you know, I like to use that phrase of I'm soil to soul. And, and that, truly matters to me I mean right down to my very core is that you know everybody's always called me the research queen and I am very attention to detail and I I mean I've done veterinarian level college courses to be able to learn some of this stuff and not just for myself I mean my big driver is animal welfare so one of the big things that I actually push for is if a farmer is struggling and especially one in my area I'd like to know 
and you know, and if I can help, I want to be able to help because we all know that there's shortages of veterinarians too. I mean, I'm not saying I'm highly educated. I I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and I I know you you are definitely the type of if I have the opportunity to help, I'm going to help. What you just described is kind of I mean that that persona of being helpful of being willing to you know offer hey if you need me let me know you know it's not just you it's not just me it's not an uncommon thing to see that kind of mutual care that you know we don't just care about our own farms we care about each other's farms in this group we care about each other's successes as farm businesses and so to me I think that that's kind of leading into this next question of what's one of the most common misconceptions you've encountered about women in agriculture but I think that that glimpse of um you know kind of this undertone of community and help each other I don't think people realize that that you know we're not out here to compete you know we mutually care about each other maybe besides that one what's the most common misconception that you've seen like consumers have about women in agriculture um and that might also kind of be the answer to the next question of what's one thing you wish your customers knew about the life of a farm woman well, one of the things that actually drives me nuts is, you know, here we are as farm women who are out here working farms, you know, day in and day out. And I, I don't know why people do it. It drives me absolutely insane. But it's, it's like, oh, well, you're helping your business partner. No, I'm the primary here. It, you know, I'm the one who's out there feeding hay and taking care of sick animals and and doing that aspect of everything but it's never labeled as me the female it's always labeled under him or it's always you know and I I hear this a lot with a few farms in my area it's the male it's always the male that's doing it there's a lot of women who are actually you, you know we get labeled as the quote unquote farm wife and to me I'm I am so far out of the grasp of a farm wife that terminology just drives me insane (laughs) it drives me insane so and you know because you you've heard it yourself I I mean I don't think there's any of us that haven't I mean we can refer to a couple other women in the group there's one that her husband's gone all the time and she's the primary one that's actually doing the stuff for the farm but it's his farm or it's their farm it's never her farm you know and he may contribute some but you know, when you're looking at 90% of the work, 95% of the work is done by the farm woman, not the farm wife, the farm woman. It's it's almost disrespectful to be like, oh, well, you know, his farm, it, you know, your farm together. And I understand it is your farm, but it still devalues everything that we do as, as farm women. 100%. I remember you talking about going and getting what was it? Was it a new wagon or something or your fencing? I forget what story it was. We've had so many stories, but something about, you know, oh, well, you know, talk to your husband and see how it thinks. And I remember how mad you were about that. And, oh, that, you know, that was, the, I actually, I actually threw them out because they wouldn't listen to me, you know? Oh, okay. You want to hear his opinion? Fine. You shut down for the day. And when he gets here, he can tell you who's in charge. Right. You know, you this spend- is my fence. I'm, Right. And this had to do with a, a swing gate so I could separate animals. That's, that's my job. That's what I do. I, I don't need approval from the man because he's here. 
I don't know, there's certain little things that have cropped up over the years. You know, like we've had a feed guy come and, you know, we don't feed grains here. At that point in time, we did. But, at you know, well, I need I need to talk to him. And, you know, we go and buy a lawnmower and I'm the one who mows the lawn and I'm the one who takes care of all of it. But they're giving they're giving description of what needs to be done to the male that's standing there. Don't ask, hey, who's going to be the primary operator here? go to somebody who literally has not operated a lawnmower in seven years, eight years. It's infuriating. Right. They act like you're not there because the assumption is, well, the man mows the lawn or the man does the hay or whatever. And you know that I've had that too with, you know, we started our farm that it's always pretty much been quote unquote my farm because you know the story. My husband had cancer and couldn't really help on the farm because he just physically couldn't do it brief stretches of a few months at a time maybe he could but it's been my farm it has always been limited by what I could do in a day planning on just me doing it so that when he passed away people's first question was are you going to be able to handle the farm without him and I kept thinking I've been handling the farm without him so you know thanks for that slap in the face for not really recognizing how much work I did because even though he worked a full-time job and was gone 60 plus hours a week the assumption somehow even still like the guy works and or has cancer, but it's still, oh, can you handle it without him? It's like, yeah. excuse me, how do you think, a, how many hours do you think are in a day? How much do you think he was doing? And what was I doing in the meantime? Just like washing laundry and feeding kids? Because that's not how it works. <laughs> right. You were kind of where that misconception comes in that that farm wife mentality, you know, you're just there to take care of the kids and help out when it needs. You know, like if you need to fill in, you you need to fill in. But they're not understanding that a lot of us are actually out here as primaries. And this is this is also part of that underlying reason on why this this farm queen thing kind of came about. Because a lot of times nobody's seeing that these women are actually doing the work. I'm with you on that one. I know how long we talked about this idea of people don't realize just how much of a role the women do play in the farm. And I think that's what we're out here well, to change. I mean, so, I mean, I, my grandparents, um, they actually had a small dairy farm and it, you know, Grant milked the cows and he did crops and, you know, he was the primary farm worker and, you know, my grandmother kind of took and did like the, what I'm going to call what we deem now is the value added aspect. So like she would take the milk and she would make cheese and she'd do butter and, you know, she would do all of that aspect she cook the meat she do pies with the lard and you know all of that she was kind of that what I'm going to deem as the farm wife you know she fixed the meals she mended the clothes she did all of that aspect but you know the roles have changed so much over these years that you know and and we know because we see it all the time how many of these farm women are actually out here and they're killing it and they're running a farm and taking care of animals and doing the value added and going to markets and still working a part-time or a full-time job where, it, you know, this is not, this is not the aspect of farm wife that we saw in previous generations. It just isn't. And I think that, you, you know, maybe because we are such a limited portion of the population, I think that kind of gets lost a little bit. I agree. 
I think it's it's not just a limited. I think women are also inclined to be a lot less, you know, look at me, look at what I'm doing in this sense because they're doing, I think because they're doing work that traditionally for generations has been labeled as, you know, the man's job to go throw hay bales and do the animals and feed everything, you know, and, you know, maybe women milked because milkmaids is a phrase, you know, but I don't, I almost wonder how many women are just like, well, you know, yeah, it's fine. I do the work, but I don't want to be seen as, you know, butch feminism or something because I'm out here throwing hay bales and that shouldn't be something that the average woman can do. And then, you know, when we actually are all in the group, it's like, yeah, I can throw a hay bale. I can carry a, you know, two bags of feet on one shoulder. You know, I'm tough, whatever. I don't mind it. And yeah, right. I, think, well, and I are... think that image is is changing, but I don't know that all farm women have been comfortable trying to push that envelope and change that image themselves. I think banded together, I think we can, but I think individually it still is is a little bit of a hurdle for some women. Well, you know, I mean, we've got certain projects that are out there that they try to empower women in farming to kind of embrace this whole aspect, but it's so within that group of farm women that we're not, you know, how many farm women do you know on their own personal pages that, you know, we've developed personal relationships with at this point that are out here and they're quote unquote bragging because they're, you know, carrying a five pound or a five gallon bucket that weighs 55 pounds. They're, they're not. It's not the standard opinion that women should do that let alone should be able to and and yet those same women might go to the gym and post that they could bench 100 pounds and everybody would go oh good for you but if you can carry 100 pounds at a farm it's like oh why are you doing that right you know and it's it's just that whole and and maybe it is because people don't understand that this is just part of life i'm i'm not quite sure but like there's this gap here where it, you know, people look at us and they're like, oh, well, you use a tractor to feed hay bales. Yeah, I use a tractor to feed hay bales, but who's picking up that 70-pound calf to do whatever needs to be done with it? Or who's pulling that, you know, if there's a difficult birth, who's pulling that calf? That's, that's, a, that's a workout in itself. But that's somehow viewed differently than, like you said, somebody that goes to the gym or somebody that went and hiked. You know, we go out and walk our pastures. You know, in this area where I am, it's all hill ground. So, you know, I go out and I walk three miles out here and it's, you know, whatever, you're just out checking fences. But if I go on a three mile hike on the same type of terrain, now, now it's viewed completely differently. Like the respect level and the, you know, here we're taking for granted all of the stuff that's actually being done on an everyday basis. I mean, this isn't something that's a, you know, because you put a lot of miles on your feet, but you know, the general public looks at it and they're like, yeah, well, you know, you're just feeding chickens or you're just feeding pigs. Yeah. But you're not also understanding that this is, you know, it's 200 pounds of feed. Right. When I got to go dump hundred, 150 pounds of feed at a time. And you know, this time of year, I've got so much mud where I'm not getting that gate open. I have to, you know, I got to hop over the fence to do it. So I'm hopping the fence hauling 50 pound bags at a time over to dump 150 pounds of feed down for my pigs. And it's like, that's not exactly an easy workout. You know, it's a, this isn't like 10 minutes on the treadmill kind of thing. Again, I think that that misconception, well, you know, because 
you know, you were having feed deliveries. Then you moved all of those by hand. You know, you're looking at a ton of feed that you're moving. Exactly. 2,000 pounds. And before a tractor, which a lot of women are not, on, you know, especially the homesteaders, they're not on farms with big equipment and these big tractors with the forklifts and everything. So if you get 2,000 pounds of feed delivered in 50-pound bags, guess what? You're hauling it by hand, putting it in the back of a pickup truck or a gator or something, a wagon, and you're hauling it back to whatever barn it's got to go in. And then you're stacking it again, which means that by hand, you are lifting and tossing or lifting and stacking or whatever, 4,000 pounds in a one, a one go stretch of it, however long it takes, because, you know, you can't leave those out in the rain. Otherwise your bags are going to soak. Right. Through. You're going to have moldy feed and then it's a waste. And, and people don't realize that where it's like, you know, I, I had times where I said that, you know, a customer asked if I could have eggs ready or something on an, on a non-pickup day. And I said, well, I got to get the feed moved, you know, and then we'll see if I can get to, you know, packing up the eggs for you and getting them in the cartons and everything. Didn't get to it because people don't realize how long it takes to move 4,000 pounds of feed by hand. And, you know, as your farm expands and you're getting chicken feed by the ton and pig feed by the ton, it's like, you know, you know, the conversations we had, I had to get a tractor, had to do it, even though I'm the woman, right? Because I ain't moving 6,000 pounds of feed by hand. That would take me two days because I'd be so sore. And then how's the next couple of days right, after that going to go? Got to keep doing it anyway. But you, right. And then we get into that aspect of, well, I don't understand why you have to charge so much. And, and it's like, it, you know, for me to go from this homesteader aspect where I'm producing just enough for my family and maybe a little bit extra to now I actually have a business and I am moving that to that one ton, two ton, three ton of feed, you know, now I have to go buy a tractor. Those tractors don't come cheap. Not to mention most that are big uh, enough to move a ton at a time are going to be a diesel, not a gas vehicle. And we all know how expensive diesel's getting lately. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, well, it ain't cheap. Well, and it's just like you and I were discussing over the summer, you know, we had, we had fuel delivered diesel and, you know, our bill was three times what it was a year before. I mean, it was $1,800 for us to do hay, just hay. Nobody wants to sit and actually talk about like that actual input cost structure of it. They just see it and they're like, well, you know, I can go to the grocery store and I can get X, Y, or Z and it's cheaper. But you're, they're not understanding that, you know, these are bigger farms that already have the equipment. They figured out ways to do cost saving because, you know, when you buy more, you get it a little bit cheaper. Just like us, any average person goes into Costco or goes into Sam's Club and they can, you know, you buy in bulk, you get it cheaper. That same thing works. But when you're when you're up and coming through that homesteader level, you don't get those bulk discounts. What you're saying about you know, homesteader level, you don't get as big of a discount because you're not buying in, in quite as high of a volume. When you're buying, you know, a half a cow or a half a pig from the farm, you're not paying them in advance for it. You might do a deposit to hold it, but you're not paying them the full cost to, you know, acquire, raise, and butcher that piece of meat before it comes to you. And so I think that that's a, that's a big misconception of, you know what I mean? Like people are used to CSAs where you buy a vegetable box subscription so that the farmer can buy the seeds, grow it, and then you get the you get the veggies, quote unquote, free later in the year because you already paid up front for it. You know what we're saying well, about like the, what do they know? What do you know about the life of a farm woman? What do you want them to know? It's like we're doing this because we believe in the healthy foods. We're doing this because we believe that this is the better way to raise the animals. And like you said about the animal welfare and stuff, but 
you know, they don't realize that we're doing this in face of high upfront costs. We're doing this in the face of, you know, kind of the stereotypical, well, let me ask your husband, does your husband think that's okay? And I think that really kind of, there's a lot more hurdle to doing this as a woman than there is to just being a farmer. There's a lot more to it when you're of the, of the female, you know, persuasion, we'll say. Right. Well, and a lot of it deals with a lot of, of major consumer misconceptions. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people that have come to me and been like, well, how long does it take to grow a beef? And I'm 18, eight, roughly 18 to 24 months. You know, we're looking at a year and a half to two years before I get any income. You know, this isn't this isn't one of those deals where, you know, oh, well, you know, a calf is born in the spring and I'm, I, you know, I've, I've got four to six weeks. Like with chickens, I have to plan accordingly. Right. And even with yeah. pigs, I know you've raised pigs. I have pigs. You know, it's potentially six months or so from the time they're born till they're butchered, which is a wildly faster turnaround than your beef is. And people, I'm seeing it for sure on my farm that people still are like, oh, wow, it's going to be that long until it's ready. It's like, yeah, you know, animals well, don't just snap your fingers and grow. But I think you're painting a really good picture of of the length of time that, you know, farm women have to really, uh, you know, and all farmers, honestly, but farm women, especially fighting kind of some of these uphill battles that, you know, it is not an easy job. It takes a long time to get to market, to get to profit. Um you know, every day is a struggle. Every time we go to the, you know, feed store or the part store for a tractor, we get that, oh, well, you know, maybe did your husband tell you this was the right part? Are you sure? There's so much to it. So what is it that keeps you going knowing that you've got, you know, these tough days, these long stretches between when an animal's born to when it's ready, you know, the hardships of it, doing all the work yourself, doing the marketing and everything. What is it that keeps you going in this farm life? even when it's tough. Some days that's a real challenge. I, I, we all know it because, we, you know, we've been part of the group and we see it from a lot of people. I mean, you, you know, some days you get up and, you know, we live in upstate New York. The water freezes, the heater goes, tractors break down, fences break. It, you know, some days you, it's muddy and everything is just a downright disaster. And to be straight honest, the only thing that actually gets me through is nothing but sheer anger. Uh, like, it, and it's not even determination. It's just, I get, I get mad. And, it, you know, it's like that aspect of, you know, I, I, I'm going to continue to do this as long as my body will allow me to continue to do it because who else is going to step forward and do this? I mean, if every one of us, and, and this is the reality check for me when I get in those, those moments is I always think, well, if every one of us farmers quit when we hit a struggle, how would anybody actually eat? Right. I wonder that too. What if, you know, people complain about pricing, whether it's off the farm, at the store, anything, you know, everything's going up. Everything's more expensive. Inflation is what it is. And it's like, you realize that we don't do this job just because, you know, it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a professional you know, golfer or professional athlete playing a game that they love and getting paid millions of dollars to do it, right? We're not CEOs of companies that like you go in for a few meetings, sign some stuff, off you go. You pretty much just have to watch everybody else work. We're not doing that. We are basically frontline work. And yeah, if, if we stopped, what yep. would happen? 
Well, and, and there you go. And I mean, you know, we've talked a little bit about it here, you, you know, doing that animal rescue aspect or that animal rehab aspect. You know, there's there's a lot of farms that they just do not have the time to devote to healing an animal be, because there's just not enough time. I mean, I think the latest statistics say that 85% of farmers actually have an off-farm job. It, but there you go again, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, you're running a small farm. Why don't you hire help with what overhead? I mean, you, oh you know, gosh, yeah. and... I actually charge some of the higher prices in New York state for grass fed beef, but you know, you, you look at that and you know, there's a lot of holdups in that aspect too, because it's very difficult to get into USDA butcher. I don't have the time to go sit at a farmer's market. And then there's a whole new plethora of things that actually go in, in with that aspect, you know, but you know, because you're, you've kind of seen this process now on, what it takes for me to actually be able to sell beef. You know, I need to be able to work with a customer. I need to be able to set an appointment with a butcher. I have to get it butchered. Once it's at the butcher, I have to figure out, you know, it needs to be picked up. It needs to be delivered. You have to get the money. You don't even get the money until it's delivered. All that hay you did, all the diesel, I mean, for you as grass fed, you've got to do the work and get the hay before you can feed the animal which means that you're paying for the feed costs before you get paid for the animals. Same for anybody who's raising with, gra- with grain. You've got to buy the grain long before you ever get that money recouped by selling the animal as freezer meat, for sure. Exactly. You, you know, and I don't think anybody actually sits back and looks at that under the aspect of, you know, we're it takes years to get to the point where you go, okay, I've devoted personal money into developing the farm. You know, we still have all of this overhead, like land taxes, insurance, you you know, food for the animal, housing for the animal, fencing for the animal, because almost all livestock needs fence. So, you know, we have all of these investments that we have to make before we can even start to think about getting an animal or a product to a consumer, you know, and then we, we do get the money. And let's say we, we've planned for the profit in there. Now we also have to pay back that money that was quote unquote put into, you know, this isn't just a, oh, I decided I'm going to go get, at least not for me. Well, I decided I'm going to go get an animal and I'm going to raise it and I'm going to consume it in my own household. We have to sit down and there's a lot of things that we have to budget for. And, you know, when you're not getting paid for a year and a half, you have to budget accordingly. You know, we can't, like last year, we took beef money and went and bought new gates because, you know, we had bulls that had actually destroyed the gates for the bull paddock. So we had to fix them. You know, those gates, look at the price on gates right now. They're like 400 bucks a piece, especially the one. I mean, it's a 16-foot gate. You know, it's not, it's not cheap. It's frustrating. But, you know, in the end... Where the reward comes for me is when I get to sit back and I have people who send me messages. And, and you know, because you saw it at your own house when I brought beef to your house. You know, everybody, oh, right. this is the greatest. Wow, what a difference. That makes it all worthwhile to me. But it is a struggle to get to that point. Absolutely. There's definitely, there's a, there's a huge reward of, you know, as a farm woman with these kind of you know, these uphill days, these huge hurdles we get through, all of the hardships, all of the, 
you know, carrying, and I think women carry things a lot differently than men do mentally in the sense of, you know, if I'm the one raising the animals and if they, you know, as my customers, if they're not completely satisfied and raving, I think a lot of women are really prone to this idea of like, I didn't, you know, we're nurturers. That's what we do. And it's like, I didn't do good enough nurturing the good food that these people could eat. You know, you feel like a sense of disappointment if it wasn't, you know, the best eggs or the best beef or the best whatever that they've ever had. So I think that that's another, um, you know, just weight on our shoulders that it does make it tough every day because we are also worried about, you know, not just financially how's the finished product going to perform, but also, you know, in terms of like our customer satisfaction, how is that going to perform? And we're going to take that a little more personally, I think, just being women, that's just naturally how we are. We're much emotionally driven under that, like you were saying, under that aspect of that nurture. Because, you know, ultimately, women who raise livestock, as somebody phrased it to me, we are a mother of many. I love that. It, you know, that is absolutely we, true. Yeah. We, you know, we look at those animals and that's, and I, and I know it's kind of a weird aspect, but they're, they're, a, they're a form of a family where, you know, we know we need to take care of them and we bust our backsides to make sure that they are taken care of. And I mean, there are crazy ones out there like me who do go that above and beyond and do those rehabs to, you know, help that animal that maybe isn't necessarily thriving in a certain type of environment. That's that nurturer aspect. And I mean, mine is very driven under that. And I, I'm fully aware of that. It took me a few years to actually grasp that, but that's also kind of where I started. You know, I started with a steer and then I actually had, you know, a, a cow come to me, a Jersey cow who was severely emaciated and not in good condition. And I went through that rehab stage with her and I, for lack of a better term, as she rehabbed, I rehabbed. And, and there was a certain thing in there that kind of shifted within me of, Oh, I can actually quote unquote mother. Uh, You know, I have this certain drive to take care of other people cattle allowed me that opportunity to be able to still fulfill that obligation of my internal drive to take care of something else, which, you know, and here you go again, that expands off. I want to take care of that animal. So it in turn takes care of someone else. And, and that is that food driven aspect of it. I love how you said that. So I'm going to repeat it before we kind of wrap up here. Cause we're getting to be a long episode. Um, the way you said that, and I think that applies to a, I think the majority of women farmer, at least that I have interacted with, is that concept of we are nurturers. I'm not just selling farm goods. I'm not just selling, you know, eggs, meat, whatever it might be. I need to nurture and mother this animal and all of them because it in turn then nurtures the next person. So it's not just, you know, there, there is no disconnect of me to just straight to the customer. That's who I'm nurturing. It's a whole chain that I have to do my best to care for this animal because of who it's going to then go take care of in a sense. Take care of the environment, to take care of the animal, to take care of the, you know, and it's all encompassing. It's not just like you said, it's not just one level. It's every level. And I know that really weird but that that is what it is absolutely so as we kind of as we kind of wrap this up here do you have any quick final thoughts as far as um 
going back to this farm queen concept and, you know, being honored as someone who does the hard work day in and day out, painted a great picture of just how much you do and just how much you care about what you do and how much you care about what others are doing on their farms. Do you have any real, what do you want to call it, you know, light in the dark takeaways or inspirational things to say real quick before we wrap up for somebody who's looking at, at starting a farm or who's in a farm, who's in one of those tough phases, who needs the motivation, whatever it might be. You know, I know myself, I'm a very driven one that, you know, this is a therapy farm. I've had a lot of people come here to just be here because it gives them a space to actually be able to just breathe. And I, I don't know, like on that aspect, I'm, I'm, I don't know of any other simpler way to put it. It's a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of dedication and it's really stressful at times. But it's so worth it on the big picture when you can go out. And my favorite thing to do is to just go out and sit in the pasture, watch the calves. You know, they're out there with their mamas. Maybe they're nursing. Maybe they're playing. You know, the cows are munching on the grass. And it is just so peaceful. It's peaceful when everything goes right. When it doesn't, that's a different scenario. It sounds like a good takeaway then kind of your advice is is you know somebody who's struggling maybe spend the time to to kind of dial in on what is it about you know you as a farm woman and this life you live what aspect of it gives you that sense of peace that sense of you know all is right with the world kind of thing that sounds like maybe that's kind of the right angle for someone to to look for if they're struggling oh absolutely you know where you can take that five or ten minutes and sit down and go okay here's Here's what is right. Yes, it's a bad moment right now, but look 30 seconds from now. It, you know, look at all the good that's actually there. Yeah, you got to get up early in the morning, but look at the sunrise. You know, the water's froze, but look at all that extra time that you're actually out there and you're immersed in what you're doing. And, you know, you're, you're, you're fixing it yourself and look how capable you actually are. And I hate to say this, but a lot of people aren't, you know, I mean, that's something that does absolutely set farm women apart is they are extremely capable. And I think that's a hard, that's a hard angle too, in terms of the, that idea of like finding what gives you peace, but finding what gives you, I don't know, a sense of calm, a sense of like, Hey, this looks bad, but you know, find, find the silver lining, I guess of, you know, yeah, it sucks when you have to be the one who does the work, who fixes the fence, who builds this, who, you know, repairs this equipment part or whatever it might be. But, you know, if you look at it from, and I know I'm terrible about this, but if you look at it from the angle of, man, all this work I have to do, then that's one thing and everything looks terrible. But if, if you can do the work to train your mind to look at it from the side of, you know, yeah, it's work to do, but man, I don't need to call anybody to do it. I can do it myself. Right. And there's a totally different shift of how it looks and how it feels. Right. For sure. Hey, look, I'm and I drove the tractor. Hey, look, I'm I'm capable of using the tractor to do this. Or, you know, oh, I've I've managed to do this on my own. And, you know, maybe plumbing broke and you fix it. And, you know, hey, we're not plumbers, but we know how to fix a faucet that broke. It, you know, it's those, yeah, maybe we're watching YouTube videos to learn how to do it. But so what? We still did it. Exactly. What matters it, is that you actually got down and you did it. And I think that's something that, yes, farm women are, are a different breed of, we are not afraid to just get in there and do it for the most part. Yeah. I think that's kind of this, this whole past the crown initiative is that 
we're gonna put a woman up on a pedestal for a week and be proud of not just you know today I did this and I'm proud of it but look at the big picture look what I'm doing as a woman on a farm look what I'm doing look what I did I think that's huge and you know I sit here and I look at it and I go that's going to be the hardest part with this with the transitioning is we all have those people that we look at and we go man she's killing it every day look at her go you know that's that's a respect thing and it's such an honor to be able to actually sit here and go yeah I'm the first one and I get to pass it to somebody else but holy crap it's harder than I thought it was going to be for the women who are who are eager or the you know the listeners who are eager to you know they've gotten to know you really well in this episode I think if they're super interested in saying wow Doreen is like my new hero that I never knew I needed and they want to follow you on social media somewhere Doreen and Barrows Farm where can we find you can we find you keep in touch, whatever it might be. What are, what are you up for? How can we get to you? So for the farm stuff, I actually primarily post on Barrows Farm on Facebook, um, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Um, I really don't do too much outside of my personal. Um, they can actually, they may actually be able to find me on Facebook. Sometimes people can, sometimes people can't. And that's just my own personal is Doreen Barker. Okay. And we'll, we we'll link to the, to the farm page. I'm not going to link to your personal page, but we'll link to your farm page, um, you know, in the, in the podcast description. And, you know, certainly you can, if you haven't already found this podcast through the social media, you can find the farm queen podcast page on what are we on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Twitter. Am I missing anything? Nope. So you can find us anywhere there and we'll, we'll have links to to the group. I think that I think that kind of wraps it up for your interview today, Doreen. I am so glad that we had this opportunity to have you kick this off because I think this was, you know, a little longer of an episode than we originally planned it to be for, you know, trying to keep them shorter, um, you know, in the interest of the time and all the stuff we have to do, of course. But I think this was a great way to really paint the picture of, you know, you and where you came from and what you've built and why this initiative of, you know, what we're seeing of these farm women need to be honored you know, because they're doing a harder job than farm men. Quite frankly, they are doing a harder job because of those gender stereotypes, because of the expectation that, you know, women are still going to be the one who raised the families and all of that. So I think you've painted a fantastic picture. And I think this was a great way for people to get to know you and the initiative and, and kind of kind of kick us off with this. Yeah, two birds with one stone, you know, the whole drive behind why and because it it is actually my story that builds up to this. Again, you know, the whole farm queen thing, we know so many amazing farm women who are out there and just, I mean, they are doing phenomenal stuff every day. And I, I just don't think it's seen the way that it needs to be. I agree. I hope that this, this podcast, this effort, I hope it gets so far and so wide, not because, you know, like we're not, we're not really benefiting anything from spending our time doing this podcast, you know, at least right now, maybe someday somebody's going to pay us something, but for right now we're doing this just because we want people to see these farm women and what they're doing. 